This is Ye Old Dragons Library, the storytelling podcast. This is the place to hear fantastical fiction and hear from authors of fantastical news stories. This episode is another chapter in the fantasy novel Plantwise, book one in the Steward's World series. If you're ready for the magic of story, let's begin. Chapter 14 War wasn't quite what Alex or Darian imagined. They knew well enough how to make camp, how to blend into the landscape, and spend most of their time spying on the enemy, laying ambushes, and using the landscape to cause the enemy soldiers hardships, and very little time in actual fighting. They knew about wounds and filth and the aloneness. What they hadn't imagined was how some people treated war like a festival. What they hadn't expected was how Maddox acted as if he were the injured party, and he was being gracious by allowing them to participate in his righteous campaign, as he called it. Then there was the involvement of Brentonwald. What stake did they have in all this? Alex didn't like Lord Anselm, the ambassador from Brentonwald, who was also a warlord and led a full third of Brentonwald's army. There was something a little too cool and cynical about the man. Alex wondered if he would be angered or amused that the secret attempts at talking peace gave signs of succeeding. On the night before they were to meet Ambray's forces on the battlefield, Alex and Darian sat by the fire ring in front of Maddox's tent, studying maps. They could have been inside the massive tent, but there was something about the thick carpets and leather-folding camp furniture, the numerous skins of wine and other delicacies spread about for the Allies to enjoy, that made both men shudder. They rather enjoyed sitting on logs next to the fire, occupying themselves with what King Alfred had always said was the true business of war, making peace as quickly as possible with whatever came to hand. They had their backs to Maddox's open tent door. He emerged from his tent and paused a moment to observe them, hard at work. His chuckle startled them. He stepped over a third log to reach his folding chair, draped with a crimson blanket, and set down yet another of those sloshing skins of wine he was always offering to his allies. Hard at work planning strategy, my friends? Why bother? The landscape favors us. What is the use of paying soldiers good silver if they can't manage war without going about on leading strings? Maddox stretched out, so his glossy black boots rested on the log that should have been his seat. His black uniform made him blend into the darkness beyond the fire, so his ruddy face and golden hair seemed to float, disembodied in the darkness. True, Darian said, with that calmness that Alex envied as if he could put aside all his animosity toward the man. But it's foreign to our soldiers. That reduces our advantage. We are in the right, Maddox insisted, avenging your murdered loved ones and protecting my innocent son. And much profit for all when we win. Lord Anselm emerged into the firelight from the darkness beyond Maddox's tent. He was a tall, gaunt, cold man, this commander of the Brentonwald army. A cynical twist to his upper lip, an amused gleam in his eye as he bowed to Maddox, made Alex wonder, hope, that perhaps the man didn't like Maddox or respect him. 
The hope grew stronger when his nod of respect for Alex and Darian lacked that cynical touch. If Brenton Wald could be persuaded to stand with them when they talked peace with Ambre, this whole adventure would be turned into nothing more strenuous than a camping trip. Lord Anselm, Maddox stood quickly. Will you join us? Only for a short time. I must prepare for tomorrow's battle. If there is a battle. Again that gleam and a flick of his gaze toward Alex that made the young king wonder what the man knew. Rumors and old tales said there were more wizards in Brentonwald than anywhere else across the continent. They were active, moving among the people, rather than retiring to study and vanish into their quiet, magically shielded valleys, as most higher magic wielders did in the rest of the civilized world. What if Anselm were a wizard, hundreds of years old, and he could read their every thought? For a moment, Alex wished Arden were with them. As a gifted one, she could see magic in other people. She could tell him if a flicker of dark purple magic hovered around Anselm's fingers and hair and gleamed in that sparkle in his eyes. Is there something I don't know about? Maddox asked with a chuckle. King Alex is a true statesman, the gaunt man said with a bow toward Alex. There was nothing amused now in his voice and face, and that was a comfort. He tries to bring peace through talk and avoid killing the peasants who make us rich. You're working behind my back? Maddox's voice cracked, and his hand clutched at his belt knife. What kind of treachery? I have told you everything I've done, Maddox. Alex stood, but kept his hands clasped behind his back. He was quietly proud of himself that he kept his voice calm and even and low. Why let the common soldiers around them know their leaders argued? If you won't listen, that isn't my fault. I don't like the idea of corpses filling fields that should be full of crops. A page boy dressed in Stonemount's livery hurried up through the darkness, sweating and flushed, with dark smears under his eyes. Alex felt a moment of irritation. The boy couldn't be more than twelve and expected to work as hard as a grown man. The boy held out a scroll as he approached the fire. Maddox stepped forward, reaching for it. A flash of fury touched his face when the boy handed it to Alex instead. An envoy from Ambre asks to speak with you, Majesty, the boy rasped. He stepped back on trembling legs. Whether from exhaustion or fear, Alex couldn't tell. Well done, brother, Darian exclaimed. He held out his belt flask to the boy, who took it with a grin and nod of thanks. How wonderful, Maddox murmured through gritted teeth, pasting a grin on his face. Where is he, lad? Alex remembered he had some bread and cheese left over from his supper, which he had taken walking while inspecting the troops a few hours ago. He found the sack and dug in it, giving the generous remaining hunks to the page. Lead the way. You've done a good job. The boy flashed him a trembling smile, conspicuously avoiding looking at his own king. "'Coming, Maddox?' Alex asked, as he and Darian turned to follow the boy back out into the darkness. "'In a moment. I have to put the wine away. We should save it for celebrating later.' Maddox stooped and scooped up the sack of wine. Lord Anselm gave Maddox a mocking bow, the cynical curve of his mouth stronger than ever, and vanished into the darkness after the other two men. Maddox let out a sigh that turned into a snarl. He hefted the wine sack and contemplated smashing it to the ground for a moment. 
"'What's the fuss about?' Clancy asked, sauntering up to the tent from where he had been dicing with some of the elite guardsmen. "'Alex the Peacemaker,' he growled, and dropped the wine sack in his chair. "'He's ruining my war!' "'Well, that's not very friendly. Did you at least get some poisoned wine into him? Finally?' "'It was the perfect plan,' Maddox groaned. "'Get both those virtuous idiots too sick to fight, and then have them conveniently killed in battle.' The best way to hide a dead body, his friend offered in a slow, sly voice, is in a pile of dead bodies. It can still happen that way. You can't tell all your soldiers there will be peace, can you? Maddox's pouting snarl turned into a grin, then a chuckle, then a roar, as he turned and stepped into the darkness to follow the others, with Clancy at his heels. The preliminary peace accords between Ambre, Westerland, and Stonemount lasted only until noon of the following day. Little actually needed to be said. Maddox couldn't seem to bluster or hold on to his righteous anger, while Lord Anselm watched him with those dark, penetrating eyes. Alex was rather glad the man sat at their table, though he only listened and offered no advice or objections. Bianca's two eldest brothers had been with their father on the battlefield, preparing to defend their country, righteously infuriated at being accused of murder, insisting that they had never blamed Arden or Maddox, and certainly no wizards had consulted with them over Bianca's death. They seemed to be more in favor of continuing into battle than seeking peace, but their father overruled them. The kings and counselors agreed all the armies would return to their countries, and would maintain peace over the winter, while investigators from all four countries examined the evidence and followed all the stories and rumors and accusations to their sources. Alex was in a somber mood as they shook hands and gave the command for the four armies to return home. He wondered if the trails the hunters followed would evaporate into thin air before they led anywhere, or if there would be a sudden rash of destroyed reputations and dead bodies to take all the blame and no one to defend them. Such thinking did them all little good. Alex tried to pray and put the outcome into the hands of Yeshin and the advisors he trusted. Then he turned his focus to returning to Westerland to prepare for the winter. His thoughts were on a sled he wanted to make for Little Violet as the army of Brentonwald separated from those of Westerland and Stonemount. He was trying to decide which horses to give Darien and Arden for solstice gifts when he and Maddox led the way into a stony valley, only a few miles from the place where their two armies would separate and head for home. We've come to a break in the story. I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a book that you might be interested in reading. The Guardians of the Time Stream are coming back. The Steampunk Gas Lamp Quartet will be re-releasing July 15th with new covers in print, ebook, and audio. Look for the entire series, starting with Odessa Fremont, then The Blue Lotus Society in September, Sanctuary in November, and Music in the Night in January. And check the Yield Dragon Books website to get the Guardians of the Time Stream short Christmas story, Crystal Christmas, at a discount price in the month of December. Members of the Ye Old Dragons Library Patreon group will have a chance to get the short story for free. And now, back to the story. 
Maddox leaned forward in his saddle, unable to put aside his anticipation. He managed to hide his sneer as he saw the distracted, eager expressions on Alex and Darian's faces. From comments both men made during their last few hours of their journey, both were thinking only of home and seeing Arden and her brat again. Their combined armies stretched up behind them in a long line, as the valley around them narrowed into a pass where only ten horses could ride abreast. Maddox grinned and nodded in anticipation. The rocky, steep slopes ahead of them were the perfect hiding place for the mercenaries Clancy always had on hand. The setting sun shone in the eyes of the two armies as they came around a bend in the ever-narrowing valley. Maddox used the brightness as an excuse to turn his horse aside. Shielding his eyes, he looked for the dark spot that would be Clancy, preparing to emerge and give the signal. Neither Alex nor Darian noticed when Maddox dropped back in the line. The Stonemount soldiers at the front of the line had been warned what would happen. They, too, slowed their horses, so only Westerland's soldiers rode behind their king and commander. A horn ripped apart the quiet of the valley. A horse screamed. Rocks clattered. Hooves thundered against stone. From hiding places among the rocks, mercenaries streamed down on the startled Westerland forces. Maddox laughed, hiding his face behind his hand in case someone saw him and managed to survive. It was rather like the mock battles at the Harvest Festival, he mused as he pulled his horse further from the lines of battle and rode up the slope for a better view. Only this time, the blood and the weapons were real. He found Alex and Darian in the confusion and shouting and rising dust and waited impatiently for Clancy to follow his plan. Nothing could be left to chance. It had to be done today, soon or not at all. There were too many Stone Mount soldiers who didn't know his plans and were even now rushing forward to join the battle. The tide would turn, and Clancy's forces would have to retreat if they wanted to save their skins. There, he saw Clancy, faithful Clancy, with his wonderfully devious schemes, pulling back from the battle and climbing up on a massive boulder to get a perfect view of the battle. He glanced around once, met Maddox's gaze, and looked away. They couldn't pretend to see each other, even for a moment. The wrong person might notice and remember later at an awkward time. Maddox saw nothing wrong with slitting throats to silence wagging tongues, but he preferred to do as little slitting as possible. Excess of any good thing soured the pleasure he had discovered. He had also learned that as much as he might enjoy seeing his enemies suffer, sometimes it was better to be sure than to be entertained. Clancy's entire quiver of arrows were tipped in poison, all it would take to kill Alex and remove one more obstacle to the throne of Westerland was one arrow securely lodged in his flesh, two arrows to be sure, and enough confusion in the battle to delay drawing the arrowhead out until it was too late to fight the poison. Maddox kept his attention divided between Alex and Clancy willing the tide of the battle to push the farmer king closer to where Clancy had a vantage point. The shouts of battle rang in Maddox's ears, but he ignored the din. From where he stood, he could barely smell the sweat of the horses, the blood and churned ground, and the metal acid stink of pain and anger and fear in the sweat of the men, the sour salt smell of sweaty leathers, and the death-released bowels of fallen and trampled bodies. 
Alex wheeled his horse and let the animal struggle up above the tide of the battle at an angle from the boulder where Clancy perched, half-hidden. Maddox barely restrained a cheer. He urged his horse forward, as if that would push Alex more clearly into the bowman's line of sight. A curse exploded from his lips as several mercenaries flung themselves at Alex's legs from both sides, battering at the king with clubs and knives and trying to yank him from the saddle in both directions. The horse reared and shrieked and lashed out at the men with its hooves. Three fell, and Maddox hoped the men died for their stupidity in interfering with Clancy's mission. He cursed again when he saw Alex struggle to stay on his horse's back, one foot loosed from the stirrup and his leg waving foolishly in the air as he fought for balance. A shape leaped from the writhing battle that started to pull back from Alex like ebbing tide. Maddox barely noticed, caught up in the poetry of Clancy's leisurely raising of the bow. From the corner of his eye, Maddox saw only a Westerland uniform. Alex fell between his horse and Clancy's position. Darian dashed under the horse's legs and flung himself over Alex, just as the first arrow launched. It nicked his leg, missed Alex, and skittered out into the melee like a stone skipping water. Maddox cursed and urged his horse down into the dying battle as more Stone Mount soldiers surged up through the narrow valley. He had to be seen trying to save Alex's life, or he would have no chance at winning grief-stricken Arden's compliance. He even considered the trouble that might result if some of his loyal soldiers thought he had run from the battle but that was a minor consideration. Another arrow arched up into the air as Darian caught hold of Alex by his bleeding shoulders and dragged him upright. The horse stayed close by. For some reason, Maddox couldn't comprehend. The stupid animal should have run as soon as it lost its rider. The second arrow missed completely. Darian had Alex up on his feet. The man collapsed. Even from thirty yards away, Maddox heard Alex's bellow of pain and it was sweet music. A third arrow flew, hitting Darian between the shoulder blades. The man arched in a spasm, nearly losing his grip on his brother-in-law, but Alex caught at his horse's stirrups and stayed upright long enough for Darian to grasp the arrow and pull it from his back. A fourth arrow flew, but where it landed was hard to see. Soldiers poured into the gap between Clancy's boulder and where the two men struggled to get Alex back onto his horse. Clancy flipped a salute to Maddox and jumped down into the shadows to race to safety. Maddox dug his spurs into his stallion's flanks and fought through the dying battle to reach Alex's side. There was little satisfaction in watching Darian go pale and struggle to keep on his feet and finally crumple into a breathless heap. Maddox declined to play at the sympathetic role he had prepared. It was hard enough to concentrate on pretending concern for Alex and knowing the man would live, despite his shattered leg and many bleeding wounds. He couldn't play at worry for Darian, or grief for Arden's sake. After all, Jago had raised him never to forget anything, never to let an opportunity for power and profit to pass him by. Odd, isn't it? he murmured to Alex hours later when the wounded had been made ready to travel, and the dead had been wrapped for travel or buried, and the two armies were ready to leave this unexpected battlefield behind. He smiled bitterly at Alex's pain-filled grunt of non-interest, then schooled his face to innocent curiosity as he turned to face his ally. I'm a widower. 
and Arden is a widow. Perhaps it would have been best after all if we had obeyed our father's wishes. You and I both know that our fathers wanted a love match, not a marriage of state, Alex said, with that icy calm that barely masked his fevered agony. Yes, well, it could have been a love match. In time, I believed it was a love match. You have a strange way of showing love by bullying my sister into keeping secrets and then running off with Bianca with no warning. Then you slandered my sister's beauty and her chastity in writing and from your own lips, witnessed by your courtiers. There is no love and there will be no match. Alex raised his hand, signaling for the soldiers who carried the sedan chair he rode in now. His splinted and bound leg made it impossible to ride in a saddle. But it would be best for both our countries. Maddox struggled for calm when what he wanted to do was leap at Alex, knock him from the chair, and beat him unconscious. Find yourself another bride, Maddox. My sister loved Darian with all her heart, and she will grieve for him. You'll be an old man before she's desperate enough to consider your suit. I'm not talking romance and silly lovers talk, Maddox ground out, and surprised himself by following the chair as it moved away toward the wagon Alex would ride in on the journey home to Westerland. I'm talking politics. Politics? Violet, my niece, is my heir. I would never keep her from her mother, yet I'd be a fool to let my heir leave Westerland to live in another country where accidents could happen to her. I've learned too much to be a fool, old friend, Alex said in a cold voice that rooted Maddox's feet to the ground. For a moment, he felt an incredible, paralyzing terror that Alex knew everything. Someone had been listening, had passed on all the plans for vengeance and conquest that Maddox and Jago and their supporters had made all these long years. Cursing silently, Maddox tried to put on a polite face, bowing as if Alex had won the argument. He turned and walked back to his own waiting wagons and horses and soldiers, trying to move as if everything were right in the world, and he had not lost a major battle of wits and strategy. Maddox nearly laughed aloud, bitter laughter, when he caught himself wishing Jago had ridden with him to battle. The irritating old man was, unfortunately, the only one he could trust right now to keep tight control on Stonemount, while its king and the best of its soldiers were gone. Jago would have known how to broach the subject of marrying Arden without upsetting anyone. He needed her, he hated to admit. He needed her plant-wise magic to rouse the failing crops all through Stonemount. He needed Arden's child in his power to use against Alex. He needed to get Arden pregnant and have sons with her so he could claim the throne of Westerland someday. He needed her to heal that cursed tree that seemed to suck all the life and color out of Stonemount, and yet gave nothing back. Maddox had ordered the tree cut down, but no axes could bite into the trunk. Fire refused to catch hold on the branches. We're already at the end of today's chapter. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and you're eagerly looking forward to the next episode of Ye Old Dragons Library. <laughs>